Improve it, peeps. Oh, my God. Today's guest is going to make you giggle. He's going to make you laugh. He's also going to give you a great conversation about digital content, where we are in this digital landscape. You're going to hear how he got to be the comic and impressionist that he is and just have a little fun today. So Nick Spirillo's career has taken off since his TikTok impression of Sebastian Maniscalco blew up the internet in September of 2020. Now, back then, he earned reviews from Maniscalco himself, plus invaluable screen time when the fellow Arlington Heights native spotted Nick's video on the Jimmy Camel show. Nick is going to talk to you about this in this episode. And then in October 2021, you're going to hear all about how Nick packed up, moved to New York, and started doing comedy at East Coast Comedy Clubs. He is a Chicago native, which as you know, I improve it myself. I spent a 15-year stint in Chicago. That is where Improve It's roots began. But now Nick has started this career as a comic and a digital content creator. He's going to give you some of his story here today. I hope it resonates with you. And obviously, if you are listening today and you aren't pursuing a career in comedy like yours truly... Take what he says and really apply it to yourself and how it can help you really love what you are doing. You're going to hear an awesome story about Nick's transition from corporate America to the comedy world during the pandemic. And I think this story is spot on when it comes to talking about following our passions and truly loving what we do. Let's get to improving it with Nick Smarillo. Nick, I am so excited to have you on the Improve It podcast. What's up? How are you, Aaron? Oh, I'm living dreams. I'm living dreams. I'm. I really am so excited. I feel like I I got to do my research on you. You know, a very special someone in relation to this show. Her name is Rachel Olivero. She might be your podcast manager. Maybe not be special in her eyes because of how much time she had to give me training me at Viacom when I started, but God bless her for that. And uh, you got uh, you got a gem in the in the podcast game, let's be honest. Oh my God. I, and, and in life, Rachel is, we always said when she interned at Improve It, somehow, some way we would find a way to work together. Here it is. She's here. It. So I'm thrilled to have you on this show. I told you we had this wonderful woman named Andrea Lopez uh on the show and i know you know her i know you might know her just a tad just a tad and we're just i love what you do i'm here to to share to share the nick gospel and i want to i want to just start off by setting an intention for this show so what is one word that you want to give our listeners today fail oh yeah fail yeah I okay. mean, like that's yeah. right. It, it, I easy layup for me because it was in front of me, but it couldn't be yeah, you know. But no, fail, yeah. fail is probably the best one I think for now. It could be yeah, but we'll take fail. We'll take fail too. It could be both. Might you, be one word by the end of the. It podcast. might be one word. <laughs> fail yeah, fail yeah. There's no hyphen. Fail yeah. Um, and if, and for those of you, for everyone who is listening, 
of the fail yes sign behind me here, which is a big part of our journey. So this is what, this actually tees me up, Nick, for what I want to start with. So you had this awesome time in corporate America. Thank you to a, a Rachel Oliveros. I want you to share just sort of how that journey came. But now you're this awesome comedian, digital content creator. So how did you evolve to where you are? And and how did this work on the corporate side help you along the way? Yeah. So I, uh, marketing degree in college, uh, I, you know, thought I was going to be a CMO when I graduated. That was the path. My dad's in advertising. So he was a huge inspiration for that side of the corporate world. And then, uh, I did recruiting for a year. I did food service sales for a year and ended up just being miserable. It's just not, you know, some of it's the millennial piece of like, you know, how come no one cares about me? Probably, you know, I think we're just wired that way generationally, but part of it was also, I just had this bug. I had this itch I had to scratch and it was just like dates back to me being 11 years old watching Whose Line Is It Anyway on ABC Family. My sister and I loved that show. And I, I just remember like liking it a little bit more than most people did. And then uh, in high school, all the football guys, we finished a senior year season, which was uh, a wonderful two and seven, I think. And definitely not the athlete of the family. And then we went out for the musical and did uh, Sound of Music in high school. And I loved performing. So fast forward to my sister takes me to a Second City show uh, when I was like two years into the corporate world. And I was like, "Um, this is it. Like whatever they're doing on stage, I'm in love with this. Um, Eventually get a job at Viacom, uh, downtown Chicago in the ad sales uh, support CSR customers. I think... (laughs) I forget that the, the Rachel would know. Rachel's going to edit this show. Yeah, she's going to edit and she's going to be like, what? Something that sounds really important that yes. really, uh, you know, good is just a, it's a learning role uh, and a good ground floor. <laughs> and um, for me, I needed that. But it was an awesome, uh, awesome company. Um, great people. And I learned a lot. And uh, I was taking, I started taking Second City classes when I was, uh, when I started at Viacom. Fast forward like a year and I get casted for some like coached ensemble, and my boss let me take six Wednesdays as half days to go rehearse. And uh, so Viacom is a huge um, forever like gratitude towards them because I was ready to like not get another corporate job. I was so unhappy. My dad was like, "Just try this one place. Trust me, it's not the same. Give it a shot." And I'm, I was dreading it. I saw the job description. I was like, "Dad, this is the same thing. This is the same thing. <laughs> Every resume, you know." And I had a shitty attitude and it's, uh, I, I, I'm so happy I did it because they were allowing me to pursue, um, what I didn't know at the time was really a dream, a, a hobby in the moment. And, uh, my last show was a week before COVID and, um, depression 2.0 when COVID started, I was like, I finally yeah. found what I wanted to do. And now what, you know, but I loved second city. I loved improv. So Rachel aside, I would have done your podcast truthfully. Cause I love what you guys do too. Aww. So. Thank, okay, well, now I need to know who are some of your teachers because they might be our people. Who who are some of your teachers? Oh, God, I don't even know. I couldn't tell you. I mean, I had... Andrew McCammon. Rosie does not sound familiar. Andrew, maybe. Okay, okay. He's one of our guys. Both Whoever they were, Catherine they were Savage. awesome. Catherine Savage. Oh, God. I no? Okay. But come back to me. Come back to me on that one. Well, you know how back. improv works. They all have like a nickname when the first yeah. day. And we just make fun of them and they make fun of us and they become, uh, 
I don't know, Blondie or I don't know, something like that. So I, I that's not a good example, but um, they were awesome. I okay, so you started doing improv. I did not know that. I thought you were doing impressions, stand up. I thought that was just the jump. I did not know you started an improv and good for Viacom for recognizing, okay, so cool. he has, yeah, strengths outside of work, right? Let me let him go do that and he'll show up for us here. Yeah, I guess I didn't know I had strengths outside of work. It was a gamble on their end, but luckily with the job being salaried and overtime, um, they were just like, we trust you, make up your hours, you know, go pursue this. And um, they kind of like looked at inward, the management team, the sales team, where they were like, we sell airtime for entertainment and actors and comedians. Like if someone in the airtime business wants to pursue the other side of Viacom's business, like why not? So it wasn't just me. Um that I think got uh, special treatment, if you will. I think it's something that they made um, collectively. At least my boss told me that. So again, props to Viacom because uh, they let me do that. And the other other two jobs probably would not have let me have done that. So that is awesome. Good yeah. for kudos, Viacom. I'm going to give them yeah. lots of love because that's that is what's up. That's how you do yeah. it, you know. Yeah. And now you've found this love and this passion and. You're a comic and you work, you have performed at Zanies, right? One of my favorite spots in Chicago. Love, love. And then you also are a celebrity impressionist. (laughs) And this I love, you were found doing your impersonation of Sebastian Menescalo on TikTok. And then he saw this on, tell us that story about how he saw you doing the impression on Jimmy Kimmel. So I, COVID starts, I, mm-hmm. I wanted to like take more classes. I really wanted to be an actor more than a comedian. I was not an impressions kid, but my, I was, my family was pushing me to get on TikTok to share or just take advantage of all this downtime because I wasn't doing anything. And all I knew how to do was these three impressions, which was Sebastian, Tony Soprano, Christopher Walken. So I put him in skits on TikTok and it just worked, which was nuts. So I kind of became impressions guy by default, just how the way, you know, these apps work now. Yeah rhythms but sebastian saw it and like three months later july 2020 he guest hosted kimmel and reviewed impressions of himself and uh he put me up there with three or four other people one was melissa uh, villasenor from snl which was which was awesome and um i got a call from a Burbank, california number like the day of and i ignored it and i didn't i mean i didn't because sebastian posted about it on his social i'm guest hosting and I'm reviewing impressions of myself and everybody was texting me like, dude, it's gotta be you. It's gotta be you. So I'm like, I'm not, no, I, I don't, I don't know. I, this is too weird. There's no way. And it's, it's three months into COVID and me posting just to have fun. And lo and behold, um, my dad calls me after I get an unknown call from Burbank and he goes, it could be, it could be a studio. It could be, maybe it's Kimmel. So I listened to the voicemail and it was like, this is Jim or James from Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, we want to make sure you're okay with putting a video of yours on, on Kimmel tonight. And so props to my dad for telling me to call back a Burbank number because uh, I wasn't expecting that. And uh, yeah, I was on the show that night. It was crazy. That is crazy. Okay. And did did that sort of propel you forward on TikTok or were you already seeing just a lot of movement from what you were doing? I think I had like 10,000 followers on TikTok at the time, like... I don't know, four or 5,000 on Instagram. So I didn't really know where this thing was going to go, but Sebastian really is my inspiration to get into entertainment because he's also from Arlington Heights, Illinois, my hometown. Yeah. And uh, there's an Italian kid who got a, a corporate 
um, communications degree and did some corporate jobs until he was 24 and moved to LA. And his story was just so inspiring. And it just kind of showed me like, you don't have to know anybody in show business. You don't have to know a damn thing about show business, but you can, if you try and you work hard, you know, his story really hit home for me, like in a way to where like, if I got his approval, you know, if you will, like no one else's mentally, I remember like no one else's opinion matters. Like my one inspiration just gave me a nod on national TV and uh, like, this is mine to screw up now kind of mentality. Yeah. So he really did do me a huge salad and he, he follows me on Instagram and he, you know, very supportive. Does he like your content? Do you get likes from Sebastian? You know, he did out of the gate. And then his 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 mom started commenting like, <laughs> my second son. <laughs> so funny. And, and one day, like, it, like his wife, Lana, followed me as well. Oh. She was liking some of the videos early. And then one day, next day, third day, fourth day, like there was no activity. And I'm like, Sebastian definitely called his mom and said, Ma. Lay off the kid, all right? You're giving him too much confidence. It's not good. He's trying to do this thing, and you're ruining his, uh, you know. So it, it, I, I, res- I, at the time, I was like, oh, God, they all unfollow me or whatever. And then now looking back, like, that's just, that makes sense based on his story because um, it, it might have messed with my head a little bit if they kept engaging. And it was, it was I took it as, Okay, you got national TV. You got the follow. Like, let's see what you got. Like, go. Like, you're do your thing. And uh, so, yeah, I message him a couple of times. Like, you know, thanks for uh, exposing me. It means a lot. Uh, love what you do. Uh, all the respect. And it's like, I, you know, happy to do it. Best to your family. Good luck in the entertainment business. And it's all I needed to really give me the confidence to pursue this thing. So, it's definitely that a special. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, you cool. literally like you're. So for me, that would be like Oprah, you know, like, I mean, that's a lot of people, but that would be Oprah or, you know, Ellen before she got the bad press, like, you know, that yeah, type of no. like that, you know what I mean? But I still love her. I still love Ellen. Um, but that's huge. Like that is just unbelievable. And now, so now you fast forward, that was 2020, it's 2023, you've moved to New York what made you move to New York? Was that the comedy scene? Yeah. So um, I, I didn't really want to do stand up. It wasn't in my mind at the time. And then fast forward to fall of 2020 and comedy clubs started calling me to book mm. me. And I was telling them I'd never gotten on stage before. I just had a year of improv at Second City and they didn't care, which was insane to me. Like I, Sebastian's story is like 10 years of open mics and then maybe a special 15 years later. Um, and so that was strange. Then I realized, you know, the restaurants and entertainment and clubs were hurting during COVID. They were booking a lot of people with, from with followings online. So I, I put a 30 minute set together, did a couple open mics. And then by like spring of 21, I was headlining like the Jersey shore governor's long Island, Atlantic city. It w- made no sense. And it, I got, you know, just baptism by fire, got a manager from another Italian comedian, Anthony Rodia, who I owe a lot of, uh, a gratitude to as well for um, helping me out out of the gate. My manager was in New York and uh, my following because of some of the reposts I got by like Italian content pages, most were in New York. Like the demographics were like overwhelmingly New York and like fractionally Chicago was like the number two. So a buddy I met during COVID doing podcasting who lives on Long Island was like, dude, if your following's here and you need a spare bedroom for a couple months, like, We'll figure it out. Check with the wife, and lo and behold, it was seven fifty a month on Long Island. 
uh, for six months. And I, so I threw my life in my grandma's car and I drove out there and, uh, it's, it, it, what happened so fast, it, it's still crazy to think back at how insane the whole thing is, but, um, loved it and fell right into a groove, met a lot of people, got some jobs, I've been auditioning, getting on stage, and then uh, moved to Brooklyn a year ago after six months on Long Island. So it's been a true blessing. I, I'm aware of the fact that my COVID experience was the 0.01% of the population in the sense that it was uh, very beneficial to me. And, um, grateful for that so it's been pretty cool for sure wow i mean truly i'm I'm not gonna lie to you nick it is the opposite of my story but you know what we're here now we're here now (laughs) my story makes no sense it still doesn't make sense to me i'm like why am i headlining these places i don't know what i'm doing no but i mean it all came it all happened for a reason that is so awesome and now you're doing a life that you love and guess what corporate america helped you remember the life that you love so and helped you i guess find the life that you love which is so crazy and now you're doing these shows you're in new york you're in brooklyn so i thought this would be fun and tell me nick if you're like listen i'm sick of it and i know you're which no, is shocking to me that you're not an impersonator like i i really feel like when i look at your page i was like man that's it. But you have this whole comedic chop to you, which is fascinating. And I had no clue that you started an improv, which is even cooler. So are you ready? Could we could we do um, a few characters here? Put me on the spot. Fire away. Okay. All right. Because this is, you know, what we do. So I'm going to do some lightning round questions. And so they're super, super quick. And you can answer them as Nick. Or as the let's a, let's answer them as the character would. I think that would be easier. So, okay, the first one is Christopher Walken. Okay, what's your favorite podcast, Christopher? No, I've done a lot of podcasts, Aaron. I do. I like them. It's a great forum for conversation in today's digital age. After many runs in podcast interviews, I have to say, of course, it'd be obtuse to not acknowledge improve it with Aaron. You know, it's been great. Fascinating. The prep. The prep. Oh, my. It's great. So good to be here, Aaron. <laughs> thank you. Yes. Thank you, Christopher. Okay. And then one more one more question for you. Um, what is your favorite food item to order off a menu? Pasta. <laughs> linguine, rigatoni, farfalle, you name it. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Linguini, farfalle, or a kitty, oh my. I like pasta, Aaron. It's great. It's oh, you know, Italian food. It goes with anything. I need to stop eating it because I'm getting fat. But, you know, here we are. Crush it. Crush it. Oh, okay. God. All right. I got I got a couple more. Okay. Can we do Sebastian? Can we do yeah. Sebastian? No. Okay, Sebastian, what is the best book that you've read lately? Honestly, the only book... I've ever read cover to cover true story is my own. It's called <laughs> stay hungry. Uh, if you can't tell, I was a horrible student. Cause I didn't read nothing. Ask Rachel. She trained me. I didn't read nothing. <laughs> Amazing. <Yeah>. Amazing. <laughs> okay. And then um, Sebastian, what's your uh, favorite television show to binge? You know, I, Oh my gosh. I just did walking. I like, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Mad Men. You seen Mad Men with John Hamm and uh, 
Roger Sterling. It's a great highlight of the 60s and Madison Avenue and just the class. Can we talk about the class these people had <laughs> with the suits and the and the punctuality? I mean, what a different era today. I mean, people aren't wearing suits to the office anymore. They got slippers and uh, flannels on. I mean, what is that all about? Amen. Amen. Okay. Yes. Sebastian question. Okay. I got one more. And this one I, I like trolled through your gram and I don't think you do this one a lot, but I liked it. Gary Vaynerchuk. Can we do a Gary? Of course. Like ask whenever you have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just starting. You didn't even ask me a question. Sorry. I love ahead. it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> what, what's the best movie you've ever seen, Gary? Like, movies are, like, so powerful in the content <laughs> industry, and it's funny you ask me that, because tonight I'm literally posting a collab with another Gary Vee impersonator, swear to God, Nima Nazari. Um, favorite movie? I would probably say... Mm, <laughs> Goodwill Hunting? Great movie. Honestly, like, Boston accents are amazing. You know, I, I'm not from there, but it's cool, and a great story, and therapy, like, self-bettering, patience... <laughs> Perseverance. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, I love it. I love it. Okay. And Gary, one more question for you. Um, who is your favorite comic? You know, lately I had, um, <laughs> so absurd. My impression sucked. Uh, no, Tim Dillon. So good. Keep going. Dillon, is- great comic, Long Island comic, Tim Dillon, like blowing up like significantly online and like TikTok and Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, who knows? And uh, only 10 years in, like murdering, just crushing it and all the all the humility in the world. So prop Timmy D, Dylan, Tim. <laughs> Sorry. Gary, yes. Oh, my God. Crushed it. And that is the name of his book. Crush it. Um, is it really? Well, it's one of the very first. Oh, yeah. One of the very first. a lot first. of books now, right? Oh, my God, Nick. That was good. My cheeks hurt. That was amazing. I loved it. And also my favorite is like when you break because that that is my favorite moment in any any type of comedy scene. Like if people break, it just makes me laugh even harder. But you crushed it. Like truly, those were amazing. And just to thank you. But just to be clear, like I have nothing against impressions. I guess I didn't know it was going to get me a career change from TikTok. So I, I learned all the new ones that like the audience would suggest after starting on TikTok. And then once you get into stand up and acting, um, Either you love impressions enough to make it your whole act, or if you can channel some other, you know, stories or that darkness of comedy or whatever character uh, into stand up and acting. Like I, I, I've been coached to like develop my own brand, and a lot yeah. of the impressions things um, can can take away from that. So I have nothing against them. I just don't post them as much because uh, I'd rather be branded as. Um, or at least attempt to be branded than more than that. With nothing wrong with it at all. It's just really not me at my core. So totally, no problem totally. asking me any of those questions, by the way. Oh my God. I love it. And I'm glad you shared that because a lot of people don't know that comedy. Okay. So there's, there's so many elements to it. Great storytelling, right. Is obviously one, which yeah. I love. And yeah. that showcases who you are as a human. There's so much, the truth in comedy from an improv perspective is really just in my opinion, where the great comedy lies, because you take exactly what you're, and I've seen some of your other videos too, where you're taking everyday instances and things that we do all the time and just amplifying them. Like the one you had where your mom 
was waking you up and you had on a hair towel. We'll get everybody to follow you on the gram. Okay. okay? And you got to pin this one. I loved this one so much because that was my mother. That literally was my mom. And you come in three different times and every time you're getting more annoyed and trying to get you up for the day. Like that was me, like as a teenager. And everybody can relate to that. And that's that's also like the truth in the comedy right there. Like, and and so let me ask you this too, because I wanna I wanna talk about these social platforms because truly they launch careers. I've seen it happen with you. I've seen, I mean, Andrea, we've seen it with Sam Ramsdell, who was on the show. We have seen it. There was another guy on this show, DJ Pryor, who had a video go viral before videos were a thing on Instagram. And now it's landed him this huge comedy career. So what do you love most about TikTok and Instagram, just the platforms in general? Oh my God, it's changed so much in three years uh, to where I'm like annoyed now, honestly, trying to keep up with all the uh, like algorithm BS. But yeah, what I love the most, I think it's just like, this sounds so artsy, but it's so true. I just... I came into them and I still look at it this way, look at them this way. It's just a blank canvas and whoever you want to be, you can be it. And if you don't care what anybody thinks, if you can get over that hump, like everything else just takes care of itself. Like if you just follow, I'm Gary Vee is one of the people that I, in, in is, um, that I follow for this advice is just like, you know, consistent with your content, whether it's three times a day or once a day or three times a week, you know, engage with your audience, respond to messages and just be active and treat it like a business and like a brand. Um, it's uh, it's it's a canvas for whoever I want to be creatively, and it gives me an opportunity to engage with people that may or may not like it. And it, the good comes with the bad, obviously, with the feedback there. But um, you just learn a lot every time you post. You learn every time you engage with somebody. You learn after a show when someone comes up to me and they tell me this, which is crazy, but it happens like this video changed my life. Uh, your, your videos during the pandemic changed my life. Um, my father was on his deathbed with terminal cancer and he wanted to see one of your videos. Like this stuff in person is like brought me to tears along with the person telling me that like that's priceless. And that's something that I didn't realize that responsibility during COVID that uh, people were messaging me saying they, I was helping their depression, which is, I was like, I was like doing that for myself. I'm like, I need a distraction from all this because I don't know what career I'm going to be in, in a couple months or years. Um, so going from just, I don't know who the heck I am or what I'm going to be or what this video even is to like, people are positively responding in that way. Um, yeah, that's amazing. So that that feedback full circle is uh, probably the best part about the apps, honestly. Yeah, so, that is awesome. I forget awesome. that, by the way. I forget that way too often. I get selfish. Yep. I critique myself on, on uh, engagement and views, like what's wrong with me. But the reality is like it's one person, God knows where, who I might never meet, never know. Yeah. They might never message me. And just like the thought of this is helping someone. Whether it's true or not, it's just, it's motivating. So totally. Oh, I love it. I, I hear that. And you know what? It's so cool because you don't even know a lot of people who haven't even reached out to you have been changed because of the positive message, the laughter you've given them. I know. Right. Isn't that crazy? You don't, you have no clue. Right. Like, so, you know, and I, there's content creators I followed 
that I've never even liked their stuff, which is a jerk move. Like I should, as a content creator, I should like it. But instead I'm just scrolling and scrolling. That's me but too. That's it. all of us. That's all of us. Yeah. That's so true. And uh, that's, I mean, if you look at it, whatever, whether you have a hundred followers or a hundred thousand followers and three people give you feedback, you can assume that there's probably, I don't know, tenfold that feel the same way, maybe yep. double. And uh, all it takes is one, you know, to uh, just, remind you why you're doing what you're doing um so yeah it's that it's, it's is cool awesome thing. that's cool i mean full circle moment what about you i mean your audience yeah the feedback you've gotten like yeah i mean truly it does change it it there are days when right when like my imposter syndrome is super high my limiting beliefs are just kicking and i'm got that ego just flaring up and then I'll get a message from a listener or I'll get somebody who I don't know that people who I know who listen to the show, they'll reach out to me. It means so like literally it means so much that they take the time to do it. There's so much content out there, right? When I, when I hear from somebody who I've never met in real life, I just, I'm, this aha moment goes off for me and I'm like, that is the why that is the why. And I'll tell you one thing. I posted, I had a, a lot of issues with infertility and just like, I have a miracle baby son. That episode, I put, I did a whole episode like two years about it has helped so many oh, women. And Good like, you. I had a, a woman reach out to me and I hope she's listening. G, um, I'm just going to say G and that episode helped her keep going. And now she is a miracle baby. And so it's like stuff like that. You just don't, you don't realize it in the moment. And then you yeah, have those amazing. off days and you're like, amazing. Why? I think the hardest part about that concept is that people might see that feedback that listen to your podcast and they, it's a testament to you, um, whether you know it or not to like, that takes a lot of guts to share, to open up about something personal on a topic that's not relative to what you're really trying to do from a bigger picture. Yeah. And it's so hard to make that decision to open up about it. And what people don't realize is this is a good story about who you are as a person, but how many other times did you share something that maybe it didn't land or it didn't get their feedback that you expected and no one hears about all those. So like, this goes for anything, whether it's a bad video, a good video, or a good story like that. You might share a hundred times something that hurts you because you th the intentions are good for your brand, but it, it, it flips on you and it's actually not who your audience might be or the video is terrible and people only see the good stuff. And it, that means so much more to, to us, I think, to get that feedback because- yeah. It shows you that there is power in in vulnerability, and it's something that I think makes podcasts like the great podcast great, or just great content creators great. But it's so hard to navigate that and just and make those decisions, like when or which topic. Or sometimes you're in a bad mood, or you're busy for a month, and you're not thinking clearly, and you think opening up about this is a good idea, and it just bites you in the butt. And <laughs> so, like tr truthfully, like you never know how people are going to react, but that's uh, that stuff keeps you going too, obviously. So that's awesome. That I mean. A thousand percent. And that's, I try to keep 80% of the content relevant to, you know, our message, what we're yeah, doing. Yeah. yeah. And then that 20%, I'm like, she's going to fly. She's going to fly because we're human, right? And that's how people connect to human beings is through those authentic, 
vulnerable moments and they might be really hard to share. But even you talking about your journey here, I mean, this is vulnerable. Somebody listening could want a career as a comic or a digital content creator and say, oh, okay, I'm going to start posting videos. It's just telling those stories just matter and you never know who they're going to impact. Yeah, no, it's so, and the other piece of it too is not only an audience listener who might have, you know, a corporate job or whoever they might be, but creators too. Like I, I forget like my confidence and not caring what other people think has kind of been snipped since Sebastian put me on TV, uh, what's going to be three years ago. But the vast majority of so many other people don't have that booster or that exposure or that nod from someone they, that, that inspires them. So I've, I've, had to check myself like why aren't you posting more like what's uh what are you worried about why'd you turn your light count off like what and they're like they won't give me the answer but over time i'm like of course they care what people think this is a brutal job it's a brutal industry so and in that way i've learned you know that most of us are uh incredibly insecure and it's so hard to put yourself out there um so that's fun too to have those conversations with other creators about just uh, keeping them, you know, positive and uplifting, and uh, yes. in in ter- Gary V's words, just f f them. I don't know if I can swear, but screw <laughs> them. Like nobody cares. Like be yourself. Be yourself. And it's so true, though. Like who who cares? Who yeah, cares? Who You're- cares? And it's like you know, we all are born. I always say this too. It's like we're born with love, right? Like we are. We aren't. A, we aren't born afraid, and we just learn that along the way. And so the older I get, like I'm turning 40, Nick. Okay. She's, Don't look 40, Aaron. Come she's on. 40. It's Botox and prayers. And <laughs> and I will tell you, like, that to me, the older that I've gotten, the more, and I know that's not even old, but like every year, I just try to keep remembering that love is greater than fear. And then the message that we're here to do, your message, your your comedy, your style is only the only style of Nick. Like you can only do this style. Nobody else can. Maybe you'll have somebody doing an impression of you one day, which would be awesome. Right. So, I mean, but think about that. And that I think that's really cool for people to hear that, you know, there are days when I want to not do this because I'm doubting myself. There's days when I think, oh my God, what am I going to post? Like, who cares? Nobody cares, but people do. And it's that one per- it's, you focus on the one versus the many. That's it, right? Yeah, I, I 100%. And the other thing, too, is like, I'm far from perfect at maintaining that love versus hate um, uh, message because there's days where, you know, I'm. I'm not in a good mood and I don't realize it. And I post something that's actually divisive and I don't even know it. And I see the reaction and I'm like, wait, that's not what I was trying to do. I thought yeah. this was supposed to be funny. And the reality is like, and another comic told me this about stand up. Um, most people are miserable. And it's, it hit me so hard. She's a very successful comedian, Jesse Curson. I don't know if you know who she is. Um, she was just reminding me like, I know you're miserable. I'm miserable. Tell us why you're miserable. Like the the humor yeah. will come from that, those stories. And the same thing works for online in the sense that even if you're promoting the love versus hate daily and you stick to it and people, you know, hate it. The, the people that you forget the people that don't like it are miserable too. And that yeah. that re, that reaction and feedback online is something you don't think about until, you know, maybe you do it 
long enough where you get over that hump, but um, it's not personal. It's, it's again, something Gary says is, is they're upset about something or sad or angry and they were looking for an out and you didn't give it to them. It doesn't mean that it was the wrong um, decision on your right. end. It's just a, a realization after three years of doing this that like people really are miserable Sad. and we, yeah. they look to us, which is nuts, however many of them, um, for something. And it's yeah. our job like every day, every week to figure that out. So it's for some weird reason, like I, I'm far from a brain surgeon, but there's like a lot of responsibility that comes with like creating stuff and uh, making that decision and responsibility and managing the feedback positive and negative. And that's a lot of people don't do that. And that's totally fine. They either don't care about the messages or they have somebody answer for them. But um, for me, you learn a lot about yourself. And I think you're kind of saying that as well. So yeah, well, yeah. And that's I mean, so let me ask you this, because this is something I really wanted to talk to you about. Where do you think the future of, of digital content creation is going? It's uh it's changed so much the past three years. Like the fact that reels didn't exist right. on Instagram two and a half years ago. I remember when they rolled them out, uh, it was like fall 2020 and seeing them like literally, I was just talking to another creator about this last week. It's the exact same algorithm as TikTok now. Like some videos get 300 likes, some get 6,000 likes. Like before reels and even before like they honed the algorithm, it was a consistent viewership engagement because the feed was, it wasn't chronological, but it was, it would, it was algorithmic in the sense that it prioritized the best performing of the people you follow. So at least you, you, when you knew if something was doing well or if it was on the right track, um, I don't want to get too into the weeds with it, but knowing that looking back, I have no idea. And I think what's so intriguing is a lot of people said during COVID entertainment would flip back to what it was and this, you know, people would go back into the office and there wouldn't be Zooms or there wouldn't be remote work or there wouldn't be um, improv sessions on Zooms with, co- but the reality is like it's gotten so advanced and like the resources have feels like quintupled into the digital um, uh, like dynamic to where I, I thought VR was 15 years away. Like we might be doing shows with goggles on in three years. Yep. I have no idea, but I think the, the answer to your question, um, it's why we have to do this every day and stay educated every day to understand where it's going to go, but it's only going to get more complicated, I think, and um, harder to navigate. I know. Now, now like YouTube shorts, Google's paying TikTok creators for one week exclusivity before posting to TikTok. Like so six crazy. six month contracts, a buddy of mine, eighty thousand dollars for six months. He's got to post sixty videos in six months, and they all have to be a week before TikTok. Like that's just Google saying there's no other way to poach these people from TikTok. So let's pay him to like for exclusivity. And so that's crazy in and of itself. And that was like a year ago. So who knows how competitive this is going to get? Chat GPT with AI now is crazy. So. It kind of scares me now. I, think I know. It. I be it is, it's it's like, terrifying. It is this, terrifying. This canvas thing is not really what I thought it was going to be. I know. You know. Well, back in my day, Nick, when I was in college, <laughs> I uh, Charleston accent. I, yeah, that's my Charleston. I was doing the Charleston, and uh, no, I was. There was Facebook. Literally, the year Facebook happened the year after I graduated, which was 
it actually happened the year I graduated, but I didn't join it until 2006, right? Okay, yeah. So I didn't, like my generation, I'm an elder millennial, okay, literally, we did not have this growing up. And so my my son, who is three and a half, like, what is that digital landscape going to look like? That's the scariest part. Right? For sure. The kids, and, and you have kids, I don't, but eventually... Can you raise them the same way we were raised in a way? I mean, I didn't get a cell phone until high school. Me neither. I didn't get get Facebook until 2008, which was high school. So even though we're 10 years apart, like it's still pretty similar upbringing where we grew up without your phone being your life. And I think about kids and I don't know how you do it, but it's only going to get harder to make the decision of screen time or is this, is my kid just going to be a a computer like we all are. I mean, like I saw <laughs> right? an article yesterday. It says you can now upload, you'll be able to upload your consciousness by the end of the year. What does that the mean? Data. What does they that take, mean? They take the data for everything you decide to give them, every word document, every app, every text, and they can create you and upload. You can upload yourself by the end of the year. Like that is terrifying. I'm terrified. I'm, I'm never, I'm not writing anything ever. I'm, I'm stopping the book that I'm creating. I'm st- all things. It's not real negative, real. Yes, it did. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, okay. it's, it's, as a cre- it. no, that's my fault. It. That your no. fault. I'm just saying as but a creator. Tell, wait, yeah. let me ask you this though, because yeah. I think this is interesting. Like the future of it is fascinating. No one knows. Yeah. Like we never knew. I never knew. Instagram. It excites me. It excites me, by the way. It yeah. definitely excites me. Let's say, I'll say that, but but, sorry. but like Nick, I would probably know you from Rachel, but would the world know you without these apps, right? There's so many cool things about it before, yeah. before these apps. So in order for me to tell people about Improve It, we would literally have the phone book and we would have to call people in the yellow pages. And that's how I tell myself every time I don't want to post something or I get, you know, I'm just like in my own head, I'm like, this is, this is a megaphone and it exists for a reason. Use it. So let me ask you this one question that I think will be really beneficial to somebody listening today who yeah. is thinking about content creation in general. What is one piece of advice that you would say to them? If they wanted to get started, what is the first step that they could do? I mean, the first one is not the most important one, in my opinion. The first one is just deciding how you want people to look at you. Like, what's your brand? What's your goal? Yeah. You don't have to, I, I, the corporate goals stuff, like it exists in, in the creator comic acting world. Like you should have goals, but I'm, I've never made a goal list. Like, I, I know what my goals are, but I don't like, every week, make sure to accomplish something by first. So I don't want to go down that road, but you have to make a decision on who your brand is. I didn't think I was going to be impressions guy. And that was my brand for a while. And then you pivot. So make a decision on, on what kind of content you want to expose yourself with. And I think the second thing is really is also the first thing is you literally cannot care what anybody thinks. And I didn't think it was going to be my mom and dad, but my mom comments when I say shit, my my dad doesn't like stand-up stories that tell something about my brother. And every comic that has given me feedback has said, ignore them, ignore them, ignore them. And it's so friggin' hard to ignore even your closest friends and family sometimes. Obviously, there's times where like, oh, that was stupid. You're right. Shouldn't have done that. But you cannot care what anybody thinks. And yeah. it's... um. 
like I said, I was lucky because Sebastian gave me that confidence early. But um, that's really it. If, if everything else just comes with ease because you just get hooked on creating stuff. And if you want to be a creator, um, you should create, but make a decision on who you want to be and you're going to lose some friends. There's people that are going to go, you're going to, they're going to see your growth or see some success or even see failure and they're going to pounce on the failure and highlight it. Or they're going to get like drifty and, and, and critique you in ways you didn't think when you see some success and you never know who they're going to be, but you have to move past them because they're not worth having you. Toxicity is the last thing you need in your life. And uh, you got to move past that too, which is so freaking hard, but it's true. Uh, I love that. And that's, I mean, it's just true for everything. Career oriented. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Digital creation, any, any, any type of success might trigger somebody or it might inspire them. Right. And so. Keep going, Nick. We are proud of you. Now, okay, this is my final question. Cool. We ask fast. everybody. Okay, I know, minutes. right? Damn. Okay, we say it and prove it. The it is that thing that you are put on this earth to do. So what is Nick's it? Wow. I came into this saying fail, trying to highlight <laughs> how much failure is important and who do I, I don't even know. I mean, I, I think tell, storytelling. I want to be a storyteller. And that could be editing a video that I'm not even in or, or producing a movie I'm not even in. I've always made videos just for fun. I didn't know I was going to end up like this. Like anniversary videos for my grandparents when I was a kid. I think with stand-up, with acting, with playing a character, like what's motivated me the most is movies and TV. And I think the most powerful part of that is how the story was told, whether it's whether it's horrible or really positive. I think that's what I want to do in whatever platform it is on stage, producing a movie, editing a movie. I don't care if I'm an assistant, whatever I have to do. Um, there's so much power in storytelling. And I think uh, people need it. They really do need it. They do. And it helps, as you have seen, it helps people in ways that you don't even know. Yeah. So, okay, if somebody wanted to find you on Instagram, TikTok, all the things, how could they find you? Nikki Smigs. Um, my full name is Nick Smirillio, long Italian last name. Um, so we went with Smigs at a young age, I guess. But Nikki Smigs, S M I G S, on everything, nikkismigs.com, whatever. Yeah. Love it. Okay, we'll put it in the show notes. Nick, you are awesome. Thank, Thank you. Thank you You're awesome. so much for coming on the show. Keep 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 improving it. You know what I mean? Will do. I appreciate it. You're you you too. This is a Gary no, V episode. You. I mean, ignore you. them. Like improve. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I hope our listeners like Gary V. No. Oh, all right. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Hey friend, did you enjoy today's show? If so, head on over to iTunes to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, did I mention that when you leave a five-star review of the Improve It podcast, an actual team of humans does a happy dance? Mm-hmm, that's right. So leave a review for us on iTunes, screenshot it, and send me an email at info at learntoimproveit.com. I'll send you a personalized video back as a thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Improve it, peeps. I'll see you next Wednesday.